Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. By the way, if you have a question for me you'd like to ask on the air, go to clark.com ask. Coming up in just a few minutes, I have a very important Clark Rage for you. If you are a business owner, there is a ripoff that is specifically targeting you, wiping many businesses out. And later, you know, tipping this time of year, how do you decide who to tip? How much to tip? Well, we put together a holiday tipping guide for you. And I'm going to go over some of the numbers with you to try to demystify some of the things that we're puzzled by when it seems like everybody is expecting a tip during the Christmas season. I want to talk right now about something that is not adding to Christmas cheer, and that is that home sales, new home sales, have fallen to lows not seen in years the outlook for housing moving forward from here is looking not so hot. It's not a disaster. It's not like a decade ago, because that was unique because of the banking scandals. But there are a lot of factors at work that are affecting the housing market right now. And it has not necessarily become a buyer's market all around the country but because all real estate markets have certain local issues to them and in big metro areas even by zip code there are differences in what creates imbalance in supply and demand but the general trend is your friend potentially is a buyer and is not your friend as a seller and i've been reading a lot about the changes going on in the housing market, and there are a lot of cross-current trends at once that can be confusing. First, one is obvious and not confusing. When interest rates rise, a lot of people cannot afford a house who might have when interest rates were lower. And that's just flat out a fact. And mortgage rates are about a point higher than they were at this time last year. And so when that translates into a monthly payment, it means that a lot of people who maybe could have afforded a house like they would like to have suddenly cannot. Second, in new home construction, there are a whole bunch of factors that have led to higher prices on new homes, taking them out of reach of a lot of people who'd like to buy a new home. One shortage of labor leading to, um, to higher costs in construction and delays in completing construction. Two, the imposition of tariffs on many products that go into home building has specifically hurt the affordability of houses. And next, a lot of local rules, regulations, and fees have pushed builders to build higher-end homes than maybe they want to. So at the high end of the housing market, there's a big oversupply. One of the best examples I read about recently in the Dallas Morning News are the problems going on in the Dallas metro area, particularly in higher-priced housing points 
where homes are sitting and people with uh, builders with new homes and people with existing homes having to significantly cut prices if they want to get the homes to move. And that's not something that's happening everywhere. Again, real estate changes from market to market and how it's going, but the trend is pretty clear that the housing market is going to have to find lower price points in order to get the selling rates back up to healthier levels. Now, there's a fourth factor that I have not mentioned, and that is a lot of people who may have considered moving are not moving because you bought a home through the years of very low mortgage interest rates, and you're locked in at something that's uh, maybe in the twos or threes as a first digit on a rate, and you don't want to give that up and go into a mortgage in the fives. And so you're likely to stay where you might have been a move-up buyer in the past, and if you need more square footage, you might even add on to your home instead of moving. So all of these things are going on at once, leading to this slowdown in the housing market, and the push that's going to come to shove is ultimately there are people who want to make a living building homes. They are going to have to figure out how to build lower price point homes. Some of the big national builders have been doing that already trying to have lower entry points, lower price points for homes. Uh, people who own a used home, an existing home, that you want to sell, in many places in the country, you will have to lower the price of your home in order to get a sale done in many places because, again, ultimately, the price of a home has to be within reach of a buyer if it's not then a house is going to sit. Chris is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Chris. Good morning, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Chris. You're thinking of moving down the five. Yeah. In fact, I'm on the five right now in traffic as we speak. Well, it wouldn't be the five if you weren't in traffic. Correct. Correct. So explain hey, to, I, pe- I explain to people, saying, Chris. Oh, Explain yeah. to people back east who don't understand this, why are freeways along the West Coast called the instead of like I-5 or I-15 or I-90 or whatever? Why are they called the? You know, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I've only lived here for 50 years, but <laughs> um, you, you tell you tell me. <laughs> I, I think it came about because California way before the interstate system was a significant factor, California had a network of state-built divided highways or freeways. And they were, when the interstate thing came along, it was too long for the traffic reporters to say, California, blah, blah, interstate, whatever. And so they came up with just calling them all the. Well, and I think that's probably um, true in California. Maybe not in Hayseed, Oregon, but um, yeah, I've heard that in 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 other uh, states. That phrase used, I guess. So, well, tell me what's going on with you. So, um, my wife and I, um, we have an opportunity. Uh, my wife is in 
uh, I guess, career uh, mode, uh, moving up her career. And it may involve moving from uh, where we live now in a suburb of Portland to San Diego, California. Um, And it would, you know, I guess it... Um, we, we currently have a house in Oregon that we own and doing a little investigating on rental prices and home prices in the San Diego area. They're, you know, they're about double what they are here in Oregon. Um, and Oregon's not cheap either. And so I guess I'm just looking for a little guidance. Normally I've been listening to you for, you know, over 20 years and it would not be, um, we've never lived in San Diego. We've never lived in California. We've lived here in Oregon for the last 16 years. Um, and we're kind of looking to move out of this market just because we're looking to maybe live in a sunnier climate. Um, so so you, think, you don't think you'd be traumatized by almost the entire winter being perfect blue skies every day instead of the low gray clouds with the drizzle? Yeah, I mean, I've lived here most of my life, but I have lived in sunnier climates, and that that is that is wonderful. Now, we, we do spend quite a bit of time in the winter traveling overseas uh, to sunnier climates, and we have family members that live in Arizona and, and Utah. And so, you know, we, we try to, at least for a week or two in January and February, go someplace to see the sun. <laughs> Well, let me tell uh, you, with is, San Diego, San Diego is is a different kind of real estate market than the Portland metro area, where because of the urban forest, everywhere in Portland, there there are structural reasons why housing is very expensive, pretty much no matter which direction you look. The difference in San Diego, even though the average house price is likely higher than the average in Portland, there are great variations depending on where you choose to look in the San Diego area and in San Diego County. So if you're willing to go um, inland some and northeast of San Diego proper, you'll find that the home prices will tend to be more affordable. The only real answer to your question is you and your wife have got to buy one of the cheap airfares from Portland down to San Diego and just go visit the different micro markets in the area to see if there's an area you'd be happy on that the housing prices are within range of being reasonable. Yeah, now the other dilemma is is we both don't we don't foresee this as being more than a, a 3 to 5 year commitment. Um, so I, know, would, I would rent. We could absolutely okay. I would. I would uh, without doubt. I would rent. And then okay, you've got so lower risk. So if you rent a, a place for a year, either a house, townhouse, or an apartment, and you guessed wrong on which micro market you wanted to live in in the, in San Diego, you have the ability to pick up stakes and move somewhere else pretty easily. Packing's never fun, but you don't have to sell anything. And if you decide San Diego really isn't your thing, you aren't all in. And in addition, in a shorter term, shorter window, it's hard to make money in housing, which everything pushes towards you being a renter. Yeah. I guess it's just doing, I guess, investigation on the 
on the internet, um, you know, we'd be looking at probably you know three to four thousand dollars a month in rent. And not just, necessarily. We, that's why. That's why I got to get you on the ground. Got to get down there yeah, okay. and and look around, look at the various markets, because even though that may be an average and it may be in the areas you're looking at, I'm telling you, it's a diverse metro area, and. As a general rule, as you go to areas of San Diego County where it gets hotter during the day, the cost of housing gets lower. The areas with uh, modest temperatures, moderate temperatures, and typically in the low 70s, most every day of the year, that's where housing prices are the highest. So if you can handle the weather with more variability and higher temperatures, you tend to do better on housing. And it's like I'm back to my prior life doing uh, weather reports in afternoon drive, it sounds like right now. (laughs) Good luck to you with the search. Today's Clark Rageous moment is an ultra important warning for any small or mid-sized business owner. There is an ongoing criminal conspiracy that is stripping businesses and individuals who own those businesses of every penny they have in the world wait till you hear what's going on and what you need to know to prevent it scams ripoffs outrages it's a clark regis moment you know i i have my own company that owns this radio show and our websites and things like that and so Many times a week, I get solicitations to take out loans for the business. And these things come in completely unsolicited, but they're all uh, very attractive mailers generally, and they're offering immediate source funds. They generally don't mention interest rates, but they're all about how I can have money immediately for any need for the business. Some of those are from legitimate players. Some are in gray zones where, yeah, they may lend you money, but the terms and conditions and the interest rates will be atrocious. But there's a level that's worse now. It was the cover story in Business Week this week based on a long-form investigation of an ongoing criminal conspiracy where rogue lenders that may in fact be mob fronts make loans available to businesses, even those that really are not necessarily worthy of borrowing money, will make the loan to them. And then in the paperwork, you sign something called a confession of judgment. And it's in the application. This is why you got to really read an application. What a confession of judgment does is it then allows the lender, regardless of where your business is located, and regardless of where the lender is, to be able to go to a court in the state of New York and allege that you have not made payments on a loan, even if you have, even if no payments were even due yet, and then immediately seize all business assets, and because you have to sign a personal guarantee on almost all small and mid-sized business loans, seize all of your personal assets as well make you homeless, take your cars, take all your money, take every last stitch of money in your business and every last possession. 
It is a loophole in New York law that these lenders, these bogus lenders are exploiting. And there's a map in here of the United States and businesses all over the United States and all but just a couple of states have lost their businesses, lost everything because of these rogue loans and rogue lenders. Obviously, there's a role for New York to play to eliminate this loophole that's allowing these criminal enterprises to steal people's businesses and money. But in the meantime, what you need to know is be very wary and careful with any loan offer going to a small business. And remember this phrase, if it ever says you're signing a confession of judgment as part of the application, never, ever proceed with doing the loan. Glad you're here with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. So money you make, got to be careful parting with it. This time of year, a lot of people who have served you expect a little good wishes at the holidays, and it's not Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays. It's like a little green stuff, money or a gift, or whatever. And (laughs) this is something we started doing a few years ago based on questions we were getting about all the issues of who you tip every day, who you tip uh, when they deliver a service, who you tip at the end of the year. And we argued a lot among the Team Clark staff, and we had this year a bit of an animated discussion about this. Actually, it was very animated. And so we turned to the uh, the writer of Modern Etiquette for a Better Life. And Diane has put together a guide. And a lot of the things I'm going to tell you about are things that you're like, nanny? We don't have a nanny. I'm the nanny. But let's say you do have a nanny. Well, your nanny uh, would expect as a holiday gift, a week to a month's pay, as well as a gift from your kid. So how about a person who does your hair or a person who's your massage therapist or whatever, or you have a personal trainer? These are a lot of very first world kind of things, right? Uh, A tip equivalent to one visit. So if you go to them regularly over the year, At the end of the year, in addition to tipping for each time you see them, you give them one full visit as cost as a tip. And a pet groomer, again, a tip equivalent to what one service would cost. A dog walker, one day of service, or if you use a dog walker all the time. What is a dog walker? Is that something people do in... in, Tight urban areas where somebody comes to your apartment and walks your dog. Is that what that means? Yeah, I've actually got a friend who started a service for dog walking. He's, he's expanded. He's hired people and yeah. He's dog got walking? A professional dog walking service. Yeah, so if you're really? at work long hours and you need someone to walk your dog or if you're gone for a week and you don't necessarily want to hire a pet sitter, you can have a dog walker come multiple times a day. But part of... Part of walking our dogs is part of the bonding for us as a family with our dogs. Some people are busy, I guess. Yeah, I'm not busy. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, this one's the funniest of all. If you have a private chef. <laughs> I can't believe we included some of these. <laughs> Kim's dying over there. Kim, do you have a private chef? Uh, no. No private chef. So you, <laughs> you give them a tip equivalent to what it costs to have them for one week. <laughs> oh, how about the Starbucks barista who knows your order when you get to the squawk box every morning? That's a good one for Krista. Yeah, well, she goes five times a day? I think so. That sounds about right. Yeah. So 20 bucks apparently is what you give the barista who knows you by name and order. And uh, even they hear your voice. They don't even have to hear your name. They know it's you and they have your coffee ready. And uh, so let's go to more mundane things. The people delivering packages and newspapers to you. Anybody besides me still get a newspaper at your house? I get four a day. Oh, well. Anyway, uh, UPS, FedEx, UPS. So they're allowed to accept a nominal gift of some kind. Now, i got to tell you what's funny. A FedEx nominal gift is considered to be up to $75, but no cash is allowed. UPS, you can actually give cash, no specific amount. And the Postal Service, no cash is allowed, but you can give a gift up to 20 bucks. And the newspaper delivery person, up to 30 bucks. There's no rules about that. It's just that's the amount. So we have a full list of all these things. A lot of them, yes, extremely first world plus kind of things. Others, things that uh, people deal with each day. But there's one I want to leave you with, one service that no one ever thinks about expressing thanks to. No one ever does. And it's just about the nastiest job anybody ever does for us at our house. And it's the people who pick up our trash. And nobody would ever think of the trash collectors. And so typically... You want to give them something like, uh, if you see them coming by, 10 bucks or so a person on the truck because they deal with all our nastiness. They deal with the bad weather coming around to pick stuff up, and they are the most unappreciated of service workers in any community. Ron is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Ron. Hi, Clark. Longtime listener. And I want to thank you for the service that you provide on the radio. It's been great. Well, you were kind to say that. How can I be of service, Ron? Well, I've got a question. Uh, Can you tell me in your crystal ball if the general public will ever be able to purchase a vehicle directly from the manufacturer instead of going through the dealership? Well, the, the franchise laws, the dealership franchise laws, or something that came about uh, many, many decades ago, passed at various state levels to provide protection to local dealership owners from manufacturers attempting to sell directly. And so it may have made sense at one time, makes no sense now because most dealerships around the country are owned by mega dealership chains, most of which are publicly traded Uh, multi-billion dollar companies so it's one of those um, 
one of those interferences in the free market that may have made sense at one time when it was small local mom and pop car dealers, but absolutely makes no sense today and in my mind has always been uh, what lawyers would refer to as an illegal restraint of trade. Now there's one car manufacturer that sells cars directly and SUVs directly. Do you know who that is? Uh, No, I don't. Tesla. Tesla never had franchise dealers and so they are the only car brand that I'm aware of in the United States in a hundred years that sells cars direct free of any dealer franchise agreements. Oh, interesting. And so they have they've been able to set up a direct sales model. Most Teslas people buy on their phone or on a laptop. They just build the vehicle they want the way they want it and place an order and that's it. And then they go to a delivery center to accept delivery of the vehicle. And so in the modern era with the internet, with cell phones and with laptops, there really is no reason for the massive additional cost built into vehicles that comes about because of the franchise car dealer system. Agree with that 100%. So, uh, you know, who knows? There are always a lot of things that happen because of uh, people or organizations' political influence and the contributions they give to politicians that make no sense from an overall economic standpoint, but they stay in place because the politicians kowtow to who gives them money. Exactly. So you, I'm gathering from the question that it frustrates you. You can't just go to the auto manufacturer whose vehicle you'd like and be able to buy it straight from them. Right. And uh, not only me, I'm sure there are several out there also in the same uh, train of thought. Well, let me say this to you. And most people are not buying new vehicles. Most people buy used vehicles. And the used vehicle market is going through a radical transformation right now. And you may have heard of and or heard me speak of a company called Carvana. Uh-huh. And Carvana is really leading the way to where particularly people who are under age 40, the only way they'll ever want to buy a vehicle, where they just go straight to their phone, they look at inventory, the price is there, they select what they want to buy, and the vehicle's either dropped in their driveway or they go to uh, a vehicle vending machine, put in a code, and the door opens and your vehicle's there and you drive out of the garage with it. Mm. So the, the marketplace, at least on the used side, is responding to what people want. But on the new side, not yet, except one company only, and that's a vehicle that most people can't afford, Tesla. Danny's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Danny. Hi, Clark. How are you doing? Great. Thank you, Danny. How can I, I be of service about, to you? I had a question about a supplemental insurance company. Or is this some kind of supplemental uh, health or something for your house or car or what kind of? It would be supplemental disability health insurance and possibly critical illness coverage for my kids. 
Okay. All right. Um, I, I'm a big believer in disability insurance. Okay. Um, that's something that's one of the most overlooked of all insurance products that exists in the market. And in fact, the possibility of becoming disabled through your working lifetime is actually far greater than you dying during your key working years. But people generally don't even think about or consider buying disability insurance. Me and my wife are both state employees. I work at a dangerous job, and it's something that I would be concerned of. I was looking at some companies that were advertising at my state job, and I did some reviews online, and they didn't have favorable reviews online, and I was wondering if you had any opinions or companies that you would recommend. So this is a tough area because with disability insurance, the the real uh, critical point is at a point that you are disabled and the insurer is uncooperative and tries to allege that you are not restricted from being able to work and therefore they're not going to pay. So the definition, it's uh, even more important than the company, is the definition of disability. You have a specific skill I'm gathering and that skill is one that puts you in danger each and every day you're working, right? That's true. So in that case, the definition of disability needs to be based on you not being able to do the job that you do that you're trained for. Okay. How many different companies do you have choices of for the disability coverage? I have two that I've been looking at right now. And that's within what the government offers you as a potential benefit where you work? Yes. Okay, and there, but there's more than those two? Um, I haven't done a lot of research. There was one that I was really interested in, but I did some reviews, and it just didn't seem like people were happy with their service, so I was going to try yeah, to Yeah, generally, you're, when you're buying disability insurance, you're never going to see reviews of people that are thrilled with it because people who the disability pays as it should, they're pretty silent. The people whose disability claim is denied, they're screaming at the top of their lungs, and to anyone that will listen. So what I'm more interested in is that you look with any disability insurer how they're going to define that disability and that they that one thing you got to make sure is not there, that you are only eligible for payment under the disability insurance policy if the Social Security Administration determines you eligible for Social Security disability. You never want to see any refer, ref, uh, reference to your qualification for disability coverage from a private insurer based on the determination that the Social Security Administration would make. Okay, that's helpful. I the reason that. that's very. Do you have any opinions on okay. critical illness coverage for children? I don't like critical illness coverage. I don't like single issue kind of health things because it's more important that you have. Um, you have good health insurance coverage for your family members and that money that would go to a single type of illness instead be money that's put in savings or rainy day funds for your life because you never know what unexpected event will happen. Yeah. I'm really big on wide insurance coverages and not excited by narrow insurance coverages. 
Can you explain that a little bit? To me? Yeah. So, so, so somebody now. will ask me, well, should I buy this life insurance policy that pays me double the benefit if I'm killed in an accident? And I have to pay extra for the part that if I'm killed in an accident. I'm like, well, you buy life insurance to protect your loved ones and to make sure they have the money they need to live on. So it doesn't matter if you die of natural causes or die in an accident. The need is the same for the insurance. So that's why I'm always skeptical of anything where, well, for just so much more a month, you can also cover this obscure possibility. Avoid those. Remember, stay wide with your coverages and make sure you have sufficient coverage to cover the needs of your family. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Steve is with us on the Clark Howard Show, and Steve... You want to have some uh, comment time about the tipping segment that I did just a little while ago. Yes, uh, I read it, and uh, it just blew me away. Um, it, it seemed pretty extreme. So you tip your um, dog walker and your personal chef more money than what we recommended? <laughs> no, I would not. It seems almost the person recommending this, it almost seems like, it's a uh, entitlement. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I was really asking what cities were these in, like New York or California somewhere. Well, there's there's a segment of the American population spread in big cities all over the country that sure. that have a collection of mys. You know, they call them mys. Mm-hmm. My my massage therapist, my dog walker, my chef, my my limo driver, my whatever. And so sure. there, there really are people that live in that rarefied air. Sure, sure. So that's why well, I'm, we had I'm that, and then we had more there. normal stuff on there as well. But our main tipping guide, you know, is all about the interactions you have every day. Okay. Not the regular people, but you could tell I was I was sheepish reading some of those categories, weren't you? <laughs> you could pick that up, yes. right? Yes. Yes. I did. I did. Um, you know, I'm not opposed to it. I think it's great to give. <laughs> well, um, if people and, if people want to have all that stuff, let them have all that stuff. To me, it just adds a layer of complexity in your life that just doesn't sound fun to me. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.